0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Monday, February the 12th, 2024, and I hope that this finds all of you doing very well. I realize that as I'm recording that at this, I don't even know who won the Super Bowl and don't really care who's going to win the Super Bowl. Somebody asked me to do who I was rooting for, and I said, well, I can kind of hope that both teams lose, but yeah, you know, I'm not trying to be a spoiled sport or anything like that. But anyway, uh, I hope that this finds all of you doing very well, and hopefully none of you had your house riding on the big game. But anyway, um, thank you so much for committing to be a part of this time, and I enjoy having this time with you. Now, where we are picking up today is in Acts chapter 21. you remember where we left off? This surprising set of circumstances, right? Where as we read last week, we we read everything from from the Ephesian elders trying to stop him to the others. We read about this character, Agabus, um, that shows up the Judean prophet. Don't know anything about this guy, but he's the one that goes up to Paul and he takes off Paul's belt and he wraps it around his own hands and feet and says, thus will be done to the owner of this belt to be carted off by the Jews to put in the hands of the Romans, all this kind of business. All of these things are taking place. And now, finally, Paul is in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, where he was compelled. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Now, that's what Paul went expecting. But do you remember what we saw the last time we were together? That the first hardships they didn't come from the Jews. They didn't come from the Romans. No, they came from within. Maybe you remember uh, where we ended up last time. Acts chapter 21, verse 19, it says, Paul greeted them, referring to, excuse me, whew, I had to sneeze there. Uh, Paul greeted them, talking about James and the elders of the church in Jerusalem. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. What a small sentence to describe so many phenomenal things that we've witnessed in the book of Acts and so many more that aren't even included. But nevertheless, that happens. And then verse 20, when they heard this, they praised God, then they said to Paul. So they praise God. It's not that they're upset about this or don't care about this, but the very first thing they say Continuing on, you see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. We talked about this last time. Are they zealous for the law? Are they zealous for Jesus, for the gospel? Nevertheless, verse 21, they have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. So it's fascinating that in this little beginning here to this section, this this city where everybody's trying to get Paul to not even go there, even Luke is trying to stop him from going there. He finally goes there, and it's not the Jews. It's not the Greeks or the Romans that are coming after him first. It's people that call themselves the followers of Christ. And where we pick up today is with the aftermath. Let's go to our Lord first. Our Father, as we come to your word, we pray that you would work in our hearts, that you would guide us, that we would see what you would have us to see, and that we would be convicted in the way that you would have us to be convicted. Let us get past ourselves. What a shame we bear. What a farce it is when we claim to be the followers of Christ and can't get along because of turf because of how we think things ought to be run and what we think we need. And oh, Father, I'm getting ahead of myself in this prayer, but please guide us now. And we pray it in Christ's name, amen. <laughs> All right, so I've revealed a little bit there just well, thus far, but what, what, what are we dealing with here? Yeah, you know, they, they've said, Paul, this is the issue that's going on. What's Paul gonna do about this? Well, they continue. They ask, verse 22, what shall we do? they will certainly hear that you have come. So do what we tell you. There are four men with us who have made a vow. Take these men, join in their purification rites, and pay their expenses so that they can have their heads shaved. Then everybody will know that there is no truth in these reports about you, but that you yourself are living in obedience to the law. As for the Gentile believers, we have written them to our decision that they should not abstain, or they should abstain, from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. All right. What's their solution to this? James and the elders. James and the elders that are dealing with these thousands of Jews who have come to believe, but who are zealous for the law, who have been lied to, right? Because that's what's going on here. They were told a lie. They were told that Paul was going around and saying, Oh, y'all don't have to listen to Moses. Moses doesn't matter. But you see the emphasis placed on Moses and not on God. But nevertheless, they were told this lie about Moses and what he was teaching, and also that oh, you don't have to circumcise your children, none of this, none of that. None in itself was not a lie because he he didn't go around teaching that they had to be circumcised. Do you remember all the way back in Acts chapter 15, the council of Jerusalem determined that they didn't have to be circumcised. And yet they're still rather hung up on this, aren't they? Why? Well, we read it. They're zealous for the law. Nevertheless, James and the elder's solution is this. They talk about these four men that are with them that have either come to a completion or have broken their vow. It's kind of like what we saw before when Paul shaved his head when he made the turn and started going back to the other churches. And what they're saying is, look, we got a plan, Paul. Let me translate all this for you. They're saying, we got a plan, Paul. All right, listen, they're accusing you of not caring about the law But we're going to show them that you still follow the law, that you're not some lawbreaker, that that you're not some uh, iconoclast, you know, all that kind of business, that sort of thing. So what you're going to do is you're going to go with these men and you're going to pay for their expenses because there were all sorts of expenses associated with this. And you're going to go through this purification ritual with them. Now, what, what would Paul do? On the one hand, why did he need to be purified? The fact is, is that he didn't need to be purified. And not only did he not need to be purified, he didn't have to please these people. But remember Paul's tone all throughout his writings. And he writes to Timothy. He talks about the fact that, that, that Timothy needs to be circumcised just because he knows he's a Greek and his mother, you know, all of this stuff. Later, he would say, I try to be all things for all people. That doesn't mean that he's a pragmatist. It doesn't mean that he he, he, he bends his conscience this way or that. no. It means that he lays aside his rights for the sake of his brothers. It's the Romans 14 principle. He says, look, for me, all things are permissible, but I'm not going to abuse my liberty and lead a brother to sin. That's been Paul's attitude all along, and we find out that that's Paul's attitude here. So it says, verse 26, the next day, Paul took the men and purified himself along with them. Then he went to the temple to give notice of the date when the days of purification would end and the offering would be made for each of them. All right, so Paul listens to James and the elders. He goes down this road that wasn't necessary, but he does it anyway for the sake of appeasing the brothers. For the sake of appeasing the brothers. Y'all, how much has been done for the sake of appeasing each other? And I'm not talking about conscience issues, right? Because read between the lines here. This isn't about a conscience thing, okay? This isn't about those principles. You have a group that is zealous for the law and they want proof that Paul is one of them. Now, am I speaking out of school about this? No, because we know that they've wanted the same thing from Peter too. And in fact, Paul, we know from elsewhere would have to confront Peter about this because Peter's eating with them. He's not eating with Gentiles. We know that's what's going on here. We know that the entire book of Galatians is written about a group of men that came from James. That means a group of of, of believers, well, they call themselves believers, that go to the churches of Galatia and say, hey, great, you want to be Christians? Wonderful. First, Gentile, you've got to become a Jew. That means your men have to be circumcised, all of these different things, despite what the church had declared in Acts chapter 15. We know that's what's going on. And so Paul is having to appease them. Here's my question for today, because we're going to see what happens as a result of this appeasement. And yes, God is sovereign. I know that this was prophesied. I get all of that, what we're about to read. I know God worked through these things. But it starts with one believer having to appease somebody else. Here's an application early. Don't be that kind of Christian. Don't be that kind of person that takes ownership over things that aren't yours to take ownership for and over. Don't be one of those people that everybody has to tiptoe around on eggshells. You know, I understand that this flows out of weakness. I get all of that. Romans 14 declares as such. But if you're one of those Christians, if you have a, a stormy attitude and mentality where you're just going to blow into any situation and blow things up and everybody's got to be conformed to your will, you may not even see that you are. So first off, you need to pray to find out if you are. But if you realize that you are, stop making other people appease you. That is not the life that we're called to. In fact, as we know from Paul, we're called to outdo one another in showing love and charity and showing grace. We're to, we're to be in a competition for who is the most understanding, not the one who requires the most from other people. Now. Here's your simple application of the day. What happened as a result of this appeasement? And in God's providence, I I know. But verse 27, when the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, men of Israel, help us. This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against our people and our law and this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple area and defiled this holy place. They had been previously, or they had previously seen Trophimus and the in the Ephesian city, which Paul with Paul and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple area. Verse thirty: the whole city was aroused, and all the people came running from all directions, seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the soldiers saw the, saw the commander and his, or when the rioters, I'm sorry, saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Read between the lines. What happened? The people went nuts. That's what happened. They grabbed Paul and they were literally trying to kill him. They were beating him so badly, they were attempting to beat him to death. So much so that the Romans get notified of this. Now, there is another application here, and it's this. I've already said the first is, don't be the kind of Christian that always needs to be appeased by somebody else that's always getting angry over something, that always feels entitled over something, that's always negative about something, that feels like you need to get a certain amount of respect and this, that, and the. Other. Don't be that, because that's not like Jesus, okay? That's not who Jesus called you to be. If, if you're suffering, suffer well. That's what Jesus has called you to do, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. But there is another application, and y'all, this is a devotional. I wouldn't include this in a sermon, but there is a healthy reminder for us. Just like the city was in an uproar over Paul, and the Romans got notified, when the church is in an uproar, and when you're having to try to appease everybody, when the church is in conflict and fighting, just like the Romans found out there in Jerusalem, so it is here now. And the devil loves it when the church tries to devour itself. People talk about the devil being everywhere. No, no, no. Listen, the devil isn't in a lot of churches because he doesn't have to be because the people don't need any help doing exactly what he wants them to do. So he goes and he focuses his efforts elsewhere. When the church is in conflict, when you refuse to be at peace with your brothers and sisters, when you have a sense of curse or territory, or they don't listen to me anymore, and I'm not gonna blah, 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 or I'm not respected like I should be, or this didn't go my way, or I don't like the way that they're doing this, and all this other stuff. Y'all, the message that is sent to the world is devastating. And it's shameful. It's a scandal that the same Jesus who suffered and died promised to build his church and that the gates of hell should not prevail against it. But y'all, we invite the gates of hell in when we live like hell and we treat each other like hell. We're called to better. As it was when Paul recounted what had been done amongst the Gentiles with James and the elders, they praised God so it should have been. When the people in Jerusalem that called themselves believers heard about these things, they should have rejoiced that the Lord was working, that the kingdom of God was growing. But what's their focus? Their focus is their turf. They're zealous for the law. They're concerned about Moses, not Jesus. And it can be so many things in the regular everyday church, how a church spends its money in this way, how the project goes that way. We're called to better we're going to see what happens with Paul as we go along. But nevertheless, he suffers as a result of this. That would be a third application. Don't make each other suffer. Love each other instead. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us. And we pray that we would use what we find in your word, that it would be real in our hearts, that we would be convicted over who you are. Give us grateful hearts. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. I look forward to that time with you. But as it is, I hope that you have a very pleasant Monday. Take care.